Asshole Cord is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. A window pops up on your laptop. Do you wish to update your McAfee virus scan software now? Well, what if I told you that the namesake of one of the biggest computer antivirus companies in the world looked like Joe Exotic's rich uncle and had a thing for prostitutes and young girls. It wouldn't be that hard to believe considering what we've come to know from many eccentric millionaires over the years. But what if I told you that he's allegedly been behind the desks of at least two people, has been on the run from multiple governments around the world, and somehow was able to become a legitimate third-party candidate for the President of the United States? Do I have your attention now? John McAfee has definitely been living a dangerous life, just as the 2016 Showtime documentary about him describes. But are the stories about him true or just a ruse by different governments to get him back in their country and behind bars? Is the tattooed cyber pioneer who totes guns constantly a target for governments in the IRS? Today we'll try to answer some of those questions, but honestly, it may be hard to hack the true story of John McAfee. Buckle up and get ready for the next episode of Asshole Court. So what do you guys know about John McAfee? We'll get some pre-show scores going here. Okay. Who wants to go first? I watched that documentary, I think when it first came out. Gringo? Gringo. Yes. It was so shocking. And the reason I watched it was because, honestly, on, on the surface of it, the story was sort of interesting to me, really. But I heard people tell me how insane it was. And I, you know, it's the same thing with Tiger King. I was like, I got to see this crazy shit. Right. Uh, so I tuned into it and I just was totally blown away. So my pre-show score is going to be extremely high because I didn't know anything about this guy at all prior to the name McAfee. Didn't even know who John McAfee was. I just know what McAfee antivirus right, software is. Right. And so my first taste of John McAfee was this uh, psychotic fucking uh, <laughs> documentary. So I'm going to start him at a solid eight. All right. Oh, wow. Pretty high start off. 8.0. All right, buddy, what you got? All right, so I remember John McAfee by name, you know, just from the McAfee antivirus. But other than that, I didn't know a whole lot about him. I do remember, though, seeing a video of him one time. Like, it was one of those things where, like, the only memory I have of this guy is he was in the middle of, like, the jungle in some kind of, like, house. And he was like, man, if the government gets me, man, they're looking for me. And if they get me, I I'm sure I'm going to be dead. So, uh... You know what's up in my brain. It's uh, they want to silence me. And I was like, holy crap, this is the guy that invented antivirus software, basically, or the first <laughs> antivirus software. Now, that's my only frame of reference for him. So um, him being in the middle of the jungle uh, talking about the government's wanting to kill him, that doesn't really make him an asshole in my book uh, because I don't even know what the governments were looking for him for. So I'm going to be tame unlike Mikey here, because I don't really know much about him. And I'm going to give him a 4.5 as my initial asshole score for John McAfee. All right, 4.5. So pre-show, before I did all the research on it, I knew about McAfee a little bit from his presidential run mm -hmm. and, of course, about the antivirus stuff. But once you dig in, obviously, you learn a whole lot more that we're going to get into. Yeah. But I would say pre-show, again, I didn't dive into all the weirdness that we'll uncover today before, so I... I will probably start him off at a 5.0 as well. All right. All right. So with a 5.0 from Randy, an 8.0 from Mikey, and a 4.5 from Buddy, our pre-show asshole score for John McAfee is going to be a 5.83 repeating. Okay. All right. 5.83. Let's do it. You guys ready? Let's do it. 
John David McAfee was born September 18, 1945, in Gloucestershire, England, on a U.S. Army base to an American father, Don McAfee, who was stationed there and serving in World War II, and an English mother, Joan Williams. I didn't realize he was that old, 1945. 1945, yep. Wow. So Gloucestershire is about 100 miles straight west of London, just to kind of give you an idea where in England it is. You know, I've noticed with those odd British names, is it like when they have like Lester, and it looks like it's Leicester, and Gloucester? Yep. Is it Gloucestershire? Is it... It's like, I can't even say well, Worcestershire sauce properly. <laughs> the British really need to get this together. Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> oh, I had to break down the pronunciation of it to make sure that I spelled right, okay, it, that I yeah. said it right. Yeah. I was like, is it Worcestershire sauce? What, Worcester sauce? I don't fucking know, man. All I know is that I can spell it. There you go. Hey, that's better than most, I would assume. When uh, he was young, John's family moved from England to the Salem, Virginia area, just outside Roanoke. His father got a job as a road surveyor and his mother as a bank teller. From all accounts, McAfee had a very troubled childhood. His father was abusive towards both he and his mother, as well as an alcoholic. When the young McAfee was just 15 years old, his father committed suicide by gunshot. Yeah. Ooh. In the following years, McAfee says he too began to drink heavily and take drugs, but he still managed to maintain a very promising academic career. He attended nearby Roanoke College. And McAfee, again, was drinking heavily in the first year at Roanoke and supported himself by selling magazine inscriptions door to door. Okay. He would knock and announce that the lucky resident had won an absolutely free subscription. All they had to do was pay a small shipping and handling fee. He's quoted as saying, so, in fact, I'm explaining to them why it's not free and what they're going to have to pay for, but the ruse worked. McAfee recalls, I learned that confidence was all that mattered. He smiled, fixed them on his penetrating blue eye gaze, and hit them with a nonstop stream of patter. He said, I made a fortune. Regardless of all the boozing, he received a bachelor's degree in mathematics in 1967. Mm. 41 years later, Roanoke awarded him with a doctor of science honorary degree in 2008. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. So that same year, 1967, he was accepted into Northeast State, Louisiana State College to earn his PhD in mathematics. So his tenure at Northeast Louisiana State didn't last long, and it was revealed that he had slept with an undergraduate that he was mentoring, and they booted him out of school. Ooh. Okay. He actually went on to marry that undergrad. Oh, all right. Not as bad, I guess, but still. You know. Yeah. He gets kicked out of uh, doctorate school, though. Yeah, Yeah, not exactly professional, but, you know, he he fell in love, sounds like. One of our teachers uh, banged a student and married her. That's right. But I don't know that he banged her while she was a student, but I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> he ended up getting a job coding old school punch card programs for Univac in Bristol, Tennessee. That didn't last long either. He was arrested for buying marijuana and his lawyer got him off without a conviction, although he was fired from his job. McAfee had learned enough to put together an impressive yet totally fake resume and used it to get a job at Missouri Pacific Railroad in St. Louis. It was 1969, and the company was attempting to use an IBM computer to schedule trains. Mm -hmm. After six months, McAfee's system began to churn out optimized train routing patterns. Unfortunately, he also discovered LSD. Okay. All right. He would drop acid in the morning, go to work, and route trains all day. Oh, my God. How the fuck? I mean, this is what blows my mind. I, uh, you know, I like to enjoy a cocktail from time to time, and there was a time I tried to code. Uh, those two don't go together, man. <laughs> at and all. also, then LSD and then at a switchboard. I know, like, the lines are already waving just from the trains, you know, kind of going in and out. But if you add a little bit of LSD on top of that. Yeah, it just increased the difficulty factor uh, by, like, 10. Oh, yeah. So, either he's full of shit or he's an exceptional talent. Yeah. Well, he went hard in the paint next. Uh, one morning, he decided to experiment with another psychedelic called DMT. Ooh, wow. Big fan. <laughs> <laughs> he did a line, felt nothing, and decided to snort the whole bag of the oranges powder. He said, within an hour, my mind was shattered. Yeah, that's actually a good uh, way to describe it, because if you ever are on DMT, it looks sort of like uh, stained glass. And then you turn your head, and it does sort of shatter. It's very weird. <laughs> <laughs> I've so I've heard. Yeah, someone's told me that. <laughs> People were asking him questions, but he didn't understand what they were saying. The computer was spitting out train schedules to the moon. He couldn't make sense of it. He ended up being behind a garbage can in downtown St. Louis, hearing voices and desperately hoping that nobody would look at him. 
He never went back to his job at Missouri Pacific. No. What happened to the new guy? <laughs> yeah. He said, I don't know, man. He was talking about like a third eye and that Gaia was controlling everything. And then he just uh, disappeared. He stole my fucking lunch out of the refrigerator, though. <laughs> Dickhead. Can you imagine that walk of shame if he had returned back? <laughs> like, oh. hey, guys, what's up? <laughs> Get like a round of applause. <laughs> or, or imagine like uh, two of his coworkers walking back from lunch and you look over and you're like, Dude, is that McAfee behind, <laughs> behind the, the trash, trash can? can? <laughs> hey, man. Hey, that's what you ask. You're like, hey, I mean, I've got an extra sandwich, brother. I don't <laughs> yeah, I can help you out. Part of him believes he's still on that trip, that everything since then has been one big giant hallucination, and that he'll one day snap out of it and find himself back on his couch in St. Louis, listening to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Hmm. McAfee was no doubt an intelligent young man, and he found a job as a programmer for NASA's Institute for Space Studies in New York City around 1970. His drug use continued, but he was able to bounce around the tech sector of Silicon Valley, landing jobs in the 70s and 80s at companies like General Electric, Siemens, and Xerox. McAfee said, Most of my bosses also use drugs of some kind. I was in the tech field, after all. We are the leading edge in technology and the leading age in personal experimentation. I had to hide it from my mother and sometimes from my wife. But in the work environment, depending on where you worked, in some companies, drugs were taken openly at lunchtime and in people's offices. It was a bizarre time. Things weren't going his way in the early 80s after his wife left him and his most recent employer, Omex, let him go. The scale of his drug dependency forced him to seek help. He said, it was 1984, the last time that I took drugs, drank alcohol, or sold drugs for that matter. He says, I simply stopped. I started going to Alcoholics Anonymous, and that was my last taste of that world. However, it's still with me. My body is covered with tattoos from that period, and I'm afraid some of my ideas and concepts and attitudes that were molded during that time are still with me. That's why people think perhaps I'm a little bit off the wall and uh, a fucking liar because he got a DUI in 2015. Yeah, see? So, yeah. uh, I was about to say, man. Yeah. I was like, everything I've seen from this guy, he does not appear to be sober most of the time. Nah, yeah, nah not at all. Everything that I've seen, he doesn't look sober at all, including the video that he made that I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah. But uh, where he's openly doing coke in the video that he put out about himself. Yeah. Like I said, Richard Branson is like the cocaine billionaire and uh, McAfee is like the meth billionaire or the uh, bath salts millionaire. You know what I'm telling you? He definitely favors Joe Exotic's rich uncle. You know, and yeah, he had that yeah. tiger spotted hairdo. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a bit odd. Yeah. His profile definitely could get mistaken for a, a relative of Joe Exotic. It no is doubt. interesting, too, though, that uh, there is sort of this commonality between a lot of these people that have, uh, it appears to be like deep narcissism and a willingness to lie about just about everything. And he strikes me as uh, fitting into those two categories very much so. Yep. And his paranoia, we'll talk about that. He is an extremely paranoid dude. Yeah. And sometimes you hear paranoid people talking about just crazy shit that is you know like i said borderline psychotic due to their extreme paranoia right. you and know the drugs I mean? oh, exacerbate that yeah no yep. doubt and the affinity for weapons as well so oh mm. he loves guns yeah despite being a low point in his life he landed a job with aerospace and defense contractor lockheed where he worked on a classified voice recognition program so again he's definitely a smart guy because he keeps mm. landing these badass jobs with big companies yeah after yeah, just yeah. fucking it up the time before. Well, and he's also willing to lie to get himself into these situations. So oh, yeah. his resume is... Because that's the thing. I think well, it's, it's a lot more difficult now. Like, you it's, you get caught lying on a resume a lot easier now. Back then, it was... If you seemed competent, you could write whatever. It was a lot more work for them to do a background check mm -hmm. on you or whatever. But a lot of people just wouldn't do that out of the fear of getting caught. Right. And uh, this guy just doesn't give a fuck, man. <laughs> Not at all. How did you lose your last job? Well, I... I, I took a, a very heavy hallucinogen and uh, just sort of left on my lunch break and hid behind a dumpster. You know how it is, man. Uh, but, you know, let's get to my strengths. Been there, done that. <laughs> when can you start? That's it. You know, Mr. McAfee, you didn't list the uh, train depot on your resume, but uh, mm. when we did a background search, we saw it was that you were a part of it. Anything you want to talk about that? Yeah, they laid me off. He said, well, what's funny, too, is, uh, <laughs> all right. Full disclosure here, it wasn't the train depot. It was Home Depot, and I was just a <laughs> greeter at the door. Um, but I can totally work on this hyper-secret fucking voice recognition software. Just give me a chance. 
So at Lockheed, he came across an unusual bit of self-replicating code designed to copy itself onto any floppy disk inserted into affected computers. So those of you that may not know, a floppy disk was like the very first disks you would use. They were what? Five by... It was like five and a quarter, I yeah, think. Five yeah, five and a quarter yeah. inch floppy. They're soft plastic. They would fit three and a half megabytes on each one, yeah. I want to oh, say. Wow. Yeah. Floppy dick right around five and a half inches. That's right. When he examined the code, he realized it contained the message, Welcome to the dungeon. Beware of this virus. He said, When I first read about the Pakistani brain virus, I've never heard of a virus before, and neither had anyone in technology, remembers McAfee. It fascinated me. It was here that McAfee began putting his true skills to work developing software to combat viruses. In 1987, McAfee started his own company. Yep, the one that constantly asks you if you want to update your antivirus software. McAfee Associates. Mm-hmm. McAfee had already made a name for himself in the cybersecurity world by this time after his ability to protect computers against the brain virus. Shortly after starting his company, his security software was used by some of the largest firms in the world, although individual users were still unaware of the online threats and not particularly interested in applying his antivirus. Mm-hmm. However, when another virus called Michelangelo hit in 1992, McAfee predicted it would infect over 5 million computers and the demand for protection software made McAfee's antivirus the most popular one around. At one point, McAfee held a 67% market share of all antivirus software on the market. Yeah, that's a lot. He caught a lot of shit over this because the actual numbers of computers that were affected by the virus wound up being just a couple hundred, and many thought that he was trying to invoke fear and boost his sales of his antivirus software. It's possible, but you can never prove a negative either. You know what I'm saying? It's sort of like the Y2K thing. Like now everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are like, what a bunch of bullshit. But if you talk to the people that were actually working in the coding departments there, they were like, dude, we worked our ass off for like three solid years to make sure it didn't look bad for you. Yep. So a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, they're like, well, nothing happened. And that's the best case scenario. Right. But then people get mad about it, you know. So I think he's probably a combination mm-hmm. of the two. The one thing I will say, though, is at that time, 87, 88, access to the Internet was still pretty much relegated to only universities and government entities. So how would they get this virus? Was it just in a disk? It, they said it was in a disk. And if the disk was inserted, that would copy and replicate and lay the virus in it. So. so you would have to basically opt to put this disc in. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, yeah. so, all right, he's full of shit. Let's yeah. keep going. <laughs> <laughs> While the antivirus software appeared to work very well, the inner workings of the company were a bit of a shit show. Many of the employees of the company were family members or friends, as McAfee kept it a pretty tightly knit group. They talk about this time in the company as having almost a cult-like feeling to it. In the Gringo documentary, which we're going to talk about in just a bit, one of the interviewees told some stories about what would go on in the office. They would have contests to see where in the office you could have sex, and the cleaning crew would come every morning and clean this one guy's desk off every day because they say that's where many of the sexual encounters happen. <laughs> Everybody's fucking on Joe's desk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it sounds like the desk of the guy from um, Boogie Nights where everyone's always fucking his wife. Oh, Bill. Yeah, yeah it would have been Bill's yeah. desk. Yeah. Oh, brutal. That's pretty that bad. was uh, William H. Macy, yeah, wasn't it? was, it? yeah. 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 It, can we talk about this later? It's, it's a guy that was <laughs> talking my wife's ass. I don't... <laughs> she said, shut the fuck up, Bill. Can't you see I'm busy? No wonder he shot her. Yeah, and himself, right? Yes. Yeah. And her lover. On New Year's. That's right. right? Mm-hmm. 1980. Oh, man. Great movie. So the workers would accrue points based on where they could bang and who they could bang. Jeez. So could you imagine if this is what it was like at a company today? I don't work for a very big company, but I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to walk by and see two people on someone's desk just straight up doing it. Well, it would be really bad at my office because I think there's only like three chicks that work there. <laughs> so it would probably <laughs> resemble something out of a, some horrible gangbang fantasy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Well, uh, George from Seinfeld got fired for having sex with a cleaning woman on his desk, and I often wonder how many McAfee points would he have gotten for that one? A lot. Probably. Cleaning lady. lady. Cleaning lady on the desk. (laughs) He definitely wouldn't have gotten in trouble. Nah, not at all. He would have been... He would have gotten points. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you an honest question here. Let's say you're single and that you're in your 20s or whatever, and you work at a place like this, and it's uh, like, would that bother you? Would you leave a company because of this stuff going on? 
Depends on what your potential growth is at the company, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm saying, like, all that aside, like, is this the reason that you leave the company? Because I'm thinking, now here's the deal. Anybody that's worked in the restaurant industry knows that everybody fucks everybody in the restaurant industry and is just sort of accepted. So... I don't know that this is all that crazy, except for the fact that it's a much more successful. If you work at McAfee, it's a little bit better than working at, say, Applebee's. <laughs> Mapplebee's. That's bad. The interview process might have been about the same, though. Yeah, I was about to say, you ever get interviewed by a fucking manager at a restaurant? This dude's a whore need. <laughs> so, uh, you know, can you get any chicks to come to? Do you know any chicks that'll come hang out at my tiny apartment? I only make $27,000 a year and work 80 hours a week, but man, I just don't have time to fuck. We can take anything we want from the freezer, though. Yeah. Now, as a married person, and uh, you don't want to put yourself in that weird environment, but if you're single, I, I don't know. It would bother me that much, to be honest. It'd be weird. It would be weird. It would, it would create more drama at the office, obviously, because people right. can't fucking just be like, hey, cool, man, like a handshake. You know? <laughs> oh, don't, don't sweat it. There's always emotions involved in that, so that creates real problems and stuff like that. There you go. Not that big of a deal to me. <laughs> If you're liking what you're hearing so far, check out our other episodes on your favorite podcast platform. It could change your life forever. Or maybe just give you something good to listen to on your way to work. Enjoy the show, and thanks for your support. In 1993, McAfee took his company public and raised more than $50 million. There are different accounts of what happened in 1994 as to why he resigned as chairman of McAfee Associates. Some say McAfee chose to retire with a large payment for his service, while others claim he was asked to leave because of the continuing backlash over the Michelangelo virus. Either way, when he walked away at age 48, he was a very rich man. Do we know how much he walked away with, roughly? Well, the market cap was 50. Yeah, so it was at 50. Assume... They said it was um, at one point when he sold off his stocks after it went public, yada, yada. His net worth was about $100 million at one point. Damn. So, Jeez. okay, the market cap initially was 50, so it must have gone way up yeah. afterwards. Oh, Intel then. wound up buying it for a couple billion dollars. Okay, then that's yeah. where it's at. Yeah. That was further down the line, though. Yeah. After, yeah. He probably, when he resigned, he maintained his shares. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's exactly right. After he resigned from his company in 1994, he decided to retire and keep a fairly low profile. He spent years lecturing at Stanford's business school, advising startups, and working on his own smaller projects. In 2000, McAfee purchased a 280-acre property near Woodland Park, Colorado. McAfee had always been a big proponent of yoga and turned his house and this property into a yoga retreat center. The house included a 10,000-square-foot main residence, an entertainment center, three guest homes, nine cabins, four trout ponds, and a horse paddock with unobstructed mountain views. It's reported that he spent $25 million to build the estate and spent another 15 years filling it with collectibles from around the world. Hmm. He didn't charge people money to stay at the retreat, but it didn't really specify how you were able to get selected to go there. Oh, I have a good idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> I also have a good idea how they made how they paid their rent. <laughs> he wrote a couple books on yoga and the people he allowed to stay at his retreat generally seemed to like and revere him. McAfee jokes that the residents in Woodland Park started a rumor that he was running a cult out of the retreat. Yeah. So that's two references already to uh Yeah, I can yeah. imagine he yeah. de he demands some sort of, you know, loyalty and also think about the asymmetry and power there too because you get to stay there for free. Uh-huh. But really, you have to do whatever he says. Now, the question I want to know is, because he's into yoga mm -hmm. and stuff like that, he's uh, he's obviously fascinated by sex. How many of these people saw John McAfee suck his own dick? Man. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm going to pull out my yoga mat. You guys get ready for today's exercise. He said, I bet none of you dudes can do this. None of you guys try. It's called the roll-up egg roll? Yeah, that's it. He said, it's called Ouroboros. He said, it's the snake that eats itself. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> And that's where a young Marilyn Manson was like, this guy is fucking awesome. Yeah, he said, oh, McAfee, just need to remove a rib. <laughs> <laughs> Many people in the U.S. did not have a great 2008 to 2009, and McAfee was no different. The New York Times reported that at one point McAfee was worth $100 million, and after the financial crisis occurred, his wealth had dwindled as low as estimates of $4 million. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, $96 ouch, million dollar loser. Rough, 96% haircut. Uh-huh. McAfee claims he made up rumors about his financial loss to make people think he had gone broke. Right. He That's did. a Pee Wee Herman. I meant to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he wound up selling most of his properties in Colorado, Hawaii, and New Mexico. 
In 2008, at age 63, McAfee started searching for property in the Caribbean. His criteria were pretty basic. He was looking for an English-speaking country near the U.S. with beautiful beaches. McAfee moved to the jungle of Belize with the stated intention of trying to cure another kind of infection. He's quoted as saying, I came across a concept called quorum sensing, which is the technique that bacteria use to communicate with each other. Up until about 10 years ago, we didn't even know that bacteria did communicate, but we find out that they have a very sophisticated communication system. I wanted to explore and investigate that to see if we could come up with new antibiotics. He picked the area, he says, because the plants that grew along the country's Rio Nuevo, the new river. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's been on Duolingo. (laughs) Five stars. The the river contained compounds that inhibit bacteria from sending chemical signals to each other and thus thwart their ability to coordinate an attack. He didn't like the idea of getting old, so he injected testosterone into his butt every other week. Well, why not? I know, right? He felt it gave him a youthful energy and kept him lean. Plus, he wasn't looking for a quiet retirement. He started a cigar manufacturing business, a coffee distribution company, and a water taxi service that connected the Pats of the Ambergris K. Ambergris. 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 Ambergris is actually the stuff that it's in a whale's stomach or whatever. Okay. It's insanely expensive. They used to use it to make uh, colognes and perfumes, but you legally can't do it anymore. So I mm. think that's where this comes from. The whole whale poaching thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's weird. It's apparently it's insanely stinky, mm. but it uh, it is used in like high-end colognes and perfumes and very, very oh. expensive. That skunk perfume, huh? Yeah. I, I, I learned all this uh, because of an episode of Bob's Burgers. Okay, nice. Yeah. <laughs> when he moved to Belize... This is when shit gets real weird. Yeah. And let's be honest, too. Before we get into this, his whole, like, <laughs> I was just joking, dudes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was making y'all think I lost my money. But let's break this down here. He just liquidated all of his assets in the U.S. <laughs> and he's trying to find a cheap fucking place to retire. Right. He's no different than your parents that are thinking about maybe going to Mexico because <laughs> it's a lot cheaper to retire down there. <laughs> So he initially set up shop in San Pedro, Belize, but soon after moved across the country to a town named Carmelita. He picked out a piece of land for his home slash compound that would include his personal dwelling, but also his laboratory and guest quarters. He hired the locals for $45 a day, a substantial amount more than most builders who were paying about $25 a day for carpenters, bricklayers, and welders. The people of Carmelita loved him for his generosity. He helped many in the area with their homes that were unfinished and bills that were not paid. He donated tons of equipment to the local police force, including hundreds of tasers and a boat valued at a million dollars. Yeah, that's right. Shortly after getting his property set up, he met a young, Harvard-educated biologist named Allison Adonisio. Adonisio was already very interested in the same type of antibiotic technology McAfee had moved down there to study. Adonisio claims that she met McAfee through a mutual acquaintance and the first time she met him, he offered her a job at his new company named Quorum X as the lead scientist. Allison said this was about as close to her dream job that she could get, being in a foreign country, studying and discovering potential life-saving scientific breakthroughs. She told McAfee that she needed a lab to work out of, so we built one for her. They began to source materials and get the business going. So everything seems pretty normal up to this point, right? Yeah, Quorum X, so, bacteria uh, talking to each other, buying boats for sheriffs. There you go. Going down into Belize like Pablo Escobar style, paying off everybody's mm-hmm. stuff, getting the people to love them. So let's talk a little bit about his day-to-day operations. Okay. Belize is a very low-income country, and if a rich guy shows up and the town people know about him, there is a real chance of being robbed or killed. McAfee made it a point to try and have neither of those things happen. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we already talked about it. In general, McAfee is a very paranoid dude. In a lot of his interviews, he'll talk about someone's plan to get him, screw him over in some way, whether it be the IRS, the government, or just other people in general out to get him. Yeah, he's got a martyr complex for real. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm trying to change the world, dude. You know what I'm saying? But these hackers keep on trying to get me, man. Yeah, I'm trying to save everybody, man. I'm taking testosterone injections, (laughs) you know what I'm saying, in my butt, and I'm working on bacteria. And, uh, you know, I want you to meet my uh, aide here. His name is Testosterone. (laughs) (laughs) We'll cut that joke, but I wanted to work it in there somewhere. (laughs) 
McAfee claims he began to get threatening phone calls in Belize, and he felt a general sense of insecurity at his compound. He befriended locals that were involved in some of the most notoriously violent street gangs. He hired them as his personal security team and equipped them with the biggest and baddest guns he could find. Hey, Juan, I keep getting this call. This guy's asking me about Prince Albert and the can. I can't deal with this shit anymore. <laughs> I need you and your fucking friends to get together and take these guns, Vato. <laughs> and that, again, that is one thing about McAfee. He is absolutely a huge fan of guns, and he prefers to be armed at all times. Yeah. His head of security was Austin Tino Allen who had been convicted 28 times for crimes, ranging from robbery to assault, and he had spent most of his life in and out of prison. 28 times, that'll do it. Yeah. How old was he? 28? (laughs) (laughs) You're hired. Yeah. In the Gringo documentary released in 2016, they interviewed many of the security force, and yeah, these were dudes you did not want to mess with. Many of the members of the security team had been to prison multiple times and were unable to find work, so that's why McAfee would hire him. He paid them well, and they became very loyal to him. He would have armed guards at the entrance to his property, leading up from the beach, and even inside the house. Hold on, this is the Joe Exotic model. It sort of is, yeah. You're hiring ex-cons to come and work on your compound? Yeah. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? Tino, hey, look, guys. I'm here. I'm here to help you. I'm going to pay you guys really good, okay? I need you guys to protect me, but I also need you... To do one other thing. Come over here. I'm going to pull this yoga mat out. <laughs> Just watch. It's called Ouroboros. It's the snake that eats itself, okay? I'll, look, everybody gets extra five bucks, okay? Here, and an extra line of DMT. Here you go. That's it. With his generosity towards those in his community and the donations to the police department, McAfee had begun to have quite the pull in the town of Carmelita. Mm-hmm. He would have his armed guards drive around the town, and he personally set a curfew for 9 p.m. for residents, threatening to kill anyone that was outside after that time. Oh, that's Duterte shit, boy. Oh, yeah. Man. Like I said, he was paying the cops, um, had the the biggest, baddest street gangs on his side. He was was laying the law down. I told you he was going in there like Pablo Escobar. Totally. And he's like, "Uh, we're going to change the town's name from Carmelita to Macafita. (laughs) It's sort of a blend, you know, an amalgam of the old and the new. You don't like it, I'll fucking kill you. Macafita Incorporita. That's it. <laughs> and then there were the girls. Oh, uh, yeah. Through the locals and his security team, McAfee began to build a harem of young, easily influenced girls. Most ranged in ages 16 to 20, and most of them had had a hard, troubled upbringing. So when McAfee showered them with gifts and money, it was an easy choice for them to come stay at his property. Yeah. It was estimated that he had anywhere from five to seven young women living at the house with him at any time. So it's not that uncommon for a rich old dude to be attracted to a hot young woman, right? Mm -hmm. In the interviews with the ladies, they all agreed that McAfee treated them very well, and they were definitely there on their own will. So he must have been having mad sex with all of them, right? Not exactly. In the Gringo documentary, the interviews with the ladies revealed that McAfee was a fan of coprophilia. Yeah, it has nothing to do with, like, Copping a feel. Yeah, or copping a feel. (laughs) (laughs) So what is coprophilia, you might ask? McAfee liked to eat their feces and would ask them to shit in his mouth. No! I like how you said that very scientifically first and then dropped the bomb. He liked to eat their feces and then they dropped a hot steaming turd into the back (laughs) of his throat. Oh, no! They all spoke of a hammock-type setup that they would sit in and just straight deuce in his mouth. <laughs> so uh, let that little ditty soak in for a minute. No! Oh, my God! Yep. I'm not, you know, and I'm not, look, whatever you're into, I try to be, uh, you know, objective about it and say, look, it's, it doesn't affect me, but at the end of the day, man, if you're eating turds, I just, it's fucking gross, dude. I'm sorry. Oh my God. Like, yeah. I'm not trying oh. to, like, quote-unquote slut shame. But if you eat the poo-poo, it's just a bad day, man. Many of the girls said that he never had vaginal intercourse with them. He would just have them shit in his mouth. That is the exact phrase that they used in the documentary. Yeah, that's right. Shit in his mouth. Oh, my gosh. So as I'm watching the Gringo documentary, my wife is sitting next to me playing a little word game on her phone, just kind of half watching and listening. And as soon as the first lady said he wanted me to shit in his mouth, she looked up and said, what did she just yeah. say? <laughs> oh, man, it had me dying. What if she just looked at you, though, and, like, did the Magnum P.I. with the eyebrows? Like, She's like, hey, you ever think about trying that out? Uh-uh, not ever. <laughs> Come on, man, we're married. <laughs> we got the hammock. Come on, let's go. 
She said, things are getting a little stale. Let's try something new, you know? And I don't want to do it incrementally. I don't want to sort of, you know, I don't know, do role playing. She's like, I want to jump straight to Pluto and shit in your mouth. <laughs> he led the girls to believe that they were all his favorite. And from all accounts, he did take pretty good care of them. Mm-hmm. This is how Amy M. Schwiller, the teenage ex-prostitute he lived with in Belize, describes him. He's sweet, generous, and he likes to have adventure. He's serious and usually has a dark sense of humor, but he is generally a sweet guy. He just doesn't like to be fucked with. And he has bad breath. <laughs> he's the bad breath, you know. He's, uh, his breath is smelling like a poo-poo. Uh, now, hold on, uh, uh, because when this all came out, he did the same thing that he did with the other thing. was like, bro, I was just saying that shit. So people would think that I'm crazy, man. He was right. like, I told them, I paid them to say that. So people would just... You know what I'm saying? They would think I'm nuts and underestimate me. And I was like, dude, again. Mm, all of them had the exact same story. That. <laughs> yeah, they all told the story. It's a recurring theme with him. Yeah, and no one's going to think of something that nasty. They were like, we had a hammock. They were describing oh, yeah. the entire process. And then he was just like, no, nah, no, nah, that shit ain't. I was fucking joking, man. <laughs> all right, so let's get back to the main reason McAfee had moved to Belize. The quorum sensing testing. As he and his scientist Allison began working on the testing phase, McAfee had brought a lot of media attention to himself and what he was trying to accomplish. Adonisio says that when members of the media or any news outlet would come to the lab, McAfee would tell her to fill up vials with different colored dyes just to make it look like scientific and that they were making progress in their research. According to Adonisio, in a meeting with McAfee one night, she talked of having a splitting headache. She said he got up, went to another room, and came back with two pills and a glass of orange juice. She took the pills with a sip of the juice and remembers the juice tasting very bitter. She joked that she couldn't even get good orange juice in the middle of an orange grove here. The next thing she remembers is waking up with him naked standing over her. She woke up again the next day, naked and dazed, and went back to her house. It always blows my mind when you hear these stories and some random person is like, and this is if you ever get into the Cosby thing, it was the same thing. They'd be like, I don't feel good. And he'd be like, just take some of these pills. Uh, you know, uh, I'm just going to give you some of my cold medicine. And uh, I'm like, if someone was just like, hey, take these pills. Unless it was like one of you guys who I've known forever and trust. <laughs> yeah. Even then. No, I'm just kidding. With you guys, it would be different. But if a person that I don't really know, I'm not just like, well, I'd be like, what the fuck are these? Right. First of all. Yeah, right. They're just medicine. <laughs> she confronted McAfee about what happened. And she said that he acted like nothing had happened. She immediately made the decision that she needed to leave. Smart. She told McAfee that she was going to go and had a conversation with him. She said he became irate, shoved her to the ground. She scrambled to her feet and locked herself in the lab. She quickly fired up her computer and emailed her dad about her plans and bought a plane ticket home. Allison said that as soon as she hit the send button on the email to her father, McAfee cut the power to the lab. Oh. He came pounding on the door and she refused to answer. So he went and got a gun. She hid in the lab and texted some local friends that she needed to get out of there. McAfee eventually left the lab with his gun and she was able to hop in the car with her friends and leave the property. She got on a plane and headed home. She contacted the FBI and told them what had happened, but the FBI informed her that they had no jurisdiction there and they couldn't do anything. Yeah, it's true. Yep. I mean, they really can't do much there, but God, can you imagine the terror of that, dude? That's horrifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She told this story in the Gringo documentary. Yeah, that's um, I remember that. I mean, verbatim, that's pretty much how she said it went. Jeez. By this time, McAfee began to display behavior that would show he felt untouchable, but yet he was still very paranoid and delusional. One night, a guy by the name of David Middleton broke into his home and robbed him of the cash and guns he could find. McAfee found out who he was and decided to take matters into his own hands. Was David Middleton a Belizean? He was, okay. yeah, a local guy. He told his personal driver to bring him three bad dudes from the local Carmelita street gang. He paid the gang members $3,000 each, and they went to Middleton's house and chased him into the woods. Once they caught up to him, they beat him senseless. They tased him in the mouth, dick, and slashed his face with knives. God. McAfee told the crew that he wanted to talk to Middleton. They brought him out of the woods, and McAfee got his wish to personally let him know that he fucked with the wrong guy. They drove him back into the village and dumped him out in the town square where locals found him and took him to the hospital. He was in a coma for several days and eventually died from his wounds. Ooh, jeez. Middleton's best friend was a hardcore gangbanger named Eddie McCoy, a.k.a. 
Mac 10. Dude, these guys have like names from Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we live in Belize. My name is David Smith. <laughs> <laughs> when Eddie found out about his friend, he wanted to kill John. John found out that a really bad dude was now looking for him, so he did what most crazy people would do. He arranged a meeting with Mac 10 and hired him as part of a security team. Actually, that's pretty smart. Exactly. Yeah. Keep your friends close and your enemies yeah. closer, I guess. Hey, man, I know you want to kill me, but uh, I've got a lot of money, and uh, you want to watch me suck my own dick and eat shit? <laughs> hop, hop on board. <laughs> on April 30th, 2012, McAfee's property was raided by the Gang Suppression Unit of the Belize Police Department. Known as the GSP. Those dudes don't fuck around. I was going to say, this is the equivalent to like the special forces unit of an army. They all wear masks, not like the ones we're wearing at the grocery stores right now, carry big guns, and for most accounts are unable to be bribed and the system compromised. At that time, McAfee's head of security was hammered drunk in the guard shack, <laughs> watching a rerun of a Madonna concert, <laughs> and McAfee was in bed with his girlfriend. McAfee said he was traumatized by the incident. They came in about 40 deep from all directions, armed to the hilt, and they weren't fucking around. They shot his dog, who was in a cage, and found McAfee upstairs. They pulled everyone out of the house while they searched the property. A GSU press release stated that McAfee was arrested for unlicensed drug manufacturing and possession of an unlicensed weapon. They took him to what was called the Piss House and held him overnight, and he was released the next day. In 2012, Belize police spokesman Rafael Martinez confirmed that McAfee was neither convicted nor charged, only suspected of the crimes. McAfee claims that he was asked to contribute $2 million to the Belize government, and when he declined, his home was raided two days later. Now, they raided his house because of the death of that guy? Is that No, just they thought he had a meth lab. Okay. They thought his lab, that he was trying to do the quorum testing. Yeah. They, everybody suspected that it was a drug-producing lab. I just, I'm dying laughing thinking of his head of security, like watching Madonna tape. He's drunk <laughs> as shit. You're still fine, and you're mine. I'll be yours to the end. Oh, shit. <laughs> Tell me, that guy, Tino, he was a bad dude. Yeah. He was a bad dude. And but all the pictures of him. Madonna. <laughs> all the pictures of him. He is usually carrying a big old gun mm -hmm. and just looks like, you know, a dude you don't want to fuck with. This huge machine gun and a Madonna 84 World Tour t-shirt. <laughs> if you're enjoying Asshole Court, check out our new Fireside Chats. They're short, topical conversations about what's in the news or what's going on in our minds that week. Download Fireside Chats in the same place you do, Asshole Court. Let's get back to it. If this wasn't crazy enough to surround one person, there's still an incident that set the events in motion to make McAfee an international fugitive. McAfee's next-door neighbor in Belize was an American expat named Gregory Fall. Fall was a retired construction owner that made his way to Belize for many of the same reasons McAfee did, for the beautiful relaxing beaches and relatively cheap cost of living. Fall had helped to build some of the houses in Carmelita as well. It's said by many that Fall and McAfee never really got along. It came to a head over a couple days after Fall confronted McAfee about a pack of dogs he had on his property. Fall said the dogs were vicious and not contained. When Fall approached McAfee at his house, he said that John went and got a 12-gauge shotgun and told him to get the fuck off his property. Greg then filed a formal complaint about McAfee's dogs. After not really getting anywhere with the complaint, Fall decided to take matters into his own hands and poisoned McAfee's dogs on a Thursday night. Oh. Oh. His staff found the dogs outside, foaming from the mouth, barely able to breathe. McAfee wound up shooting them to put them out of their misery. That Saturday night, Fall went out with one of his buddies to a bar and arrived home about 10 p.m. Sunday morning, Greg Fall was found by his housekeeper, dead by a close-range gunshot to the head. Mm. He had also had taser burns all over his body, but there was no sign of a burglary or a struggle. The Belize police immediately began their investigation and came looking for McAfee. Initially, he hid on his property while the police were there to question him, then he fled. He moved around the country, coloring his hair and had his girlfriends bring him money to his secret hiding locations. He began to contact different media outlets to proclaim his innocence, and the story began to leak out. I remember when this was happening. One CNN reporter arranged an interview with McAfee and flew to Belize to meet him. He was met at the airport by a driver who was said, sorry for running late, the code given to the reporter to know that this was the man that would take him to McAfee. They drove around and around, switching cars multiple times, 
before arriving at a super low-rent motel where he saw a man with powdered hair, glasses, and walking with a limp. He recognized this as John McAfee. He interviewed John, who proclaimed his innocence. McAfee knew that he needed to get the hell out of Dodge. He devised a plan and had his driver take him to the southernmost border to Guatemala, where he boarded a boat and entered the country illegally. Vice TV had located McAfee and was following him around Guatemala. McAfee, loving the media attention, would pose and take pictures with the crew. They fucked up and posted a picture with the active GPS coordinates on it, and the authorities were on to him. That's right. The metadata. No, that's dumb. Well, it's one of those things that's just like, yeah, I mean, like me personally, I never realized that there was sort of metadata where a picture was taken that could be dug into on a digital picture. But yeah, there you go. Interesting. So he was arrested in Guatemala for illegal entry and detained. One of his girlfriend's uncles was a high-powered Guatemalan lawyer who said he would represent McAfee. McAfee's biggest fear was being deported back to Belize to face the possibility of a murder charge. Yeah, you don't want to go to one of their prisons. Uh -uh. Mm, And he knew that, too. Oh, yeah. On the day McAfee was going to be extradited back to Belize, his lawyer had planned to file an appeal on his behalf, which would buy him potentially years before he would be sent back. But he had to delay the officials until 3 p.m. that day so his lawyer could file the appeal. McAfee faked a heart attack in the facility and they took him to the hospital where he was able to successfully delay them past the 3 p.m. deadline and his lawyer was able to file the appeal and magically he said he felt better. I saw video of this actually and because he was such a high profile person at the time when the uh, ambulance pulled up to the hospital that a lot of news personnel were there and he's sitting there like he's in this like comatose state. And as soon as the doctors get over to him, like right at the ambulance, they start to try to like take off his shirt to, you know, check his vitals. And, and like all of a sudden he comes around, it's like, no, don't, don't, don't take off my shirt in front of the cameras. Just, just wait till we get inside. He said, let me get it like 10 push ups in first. <laughs> he said, let me get some push ups and some sit ups and you can take my shirt off. At this point, Guatemala was sick of his bullshit as well. And he was sent back to jail and then told he needs to go back home to the U.S. They're still investigating the murder, but there is no DNA lab in the entire country of Belize. Their murder conviction rate is about 3%, and they're just now getting fingerprint testing widespread. Yeah. Anybody yeah. that's uh, listening that is really into killing people and getting away with it, well, now you know where you need to go. <laughs> <laughs> in interviews after the events, McAfee's main handler, a guy by the name of Cashin, a.k.a. Cash, said that McAfee told him to put $5,000 in Eddie McCoy, Mac-10's, account the next day after the dogs were poisoned. The night of the murder, Eddie called Cash to come pick him up. He was about 600 feet from Greg Fall's house. Cash said he is pretty sure McAfee paid Mac-10 to kill Greg Fall. McCoy claims his innocence and says that he was home that night because the family had a wedding going on at the time. He says he didn't kill him and he doesn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, like, yeah, man, I tased that guy right in his balls, Holmes, but you should have seen his face, man. Yeah. <laughs> in an interview with Bloomberg's Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on September 8th, 2016, McAfee claimed that these incidents were fabricated, saying that Belize is a third world banana republic and you can go down there and make any story you want if you pay the interviewees, which Showtime did. So McAfee says that pretty much all this is fabricated, but I'll uh, I'll let the listeners be the judge of that. I mean, he was pretty much on camera for a lot of the time he was down there and talking with the people involved. Everyone has basically the same story for the events described. Yeah, and he's not going to admit. We've already established that he is a pathological liar in a lot of ways. Oh, 100%. And this is something that even even if you're not a pathological liar, and you kill somebody and you don't get convicted, you're never going to be like, yeah, I totally killed that guy. Never do that. You're right. always going to say I didn't do it. Yeah, no. So you would think after all that, at 67 years old, McAfee would finally decide to slow down and try to absorb himself into the normal life back in the States. Yeah, right. On December 21st, 2012, when Guatemalan authorities deported him to the U.S., he reportedly met Janice, a prostitute who solicited him in South Beach, Florida. McAfee took her up on her offer of a good time, and less than a year later, the two were married. She took a dump in his mouth. Quite possibly. <laughs> right off the rip. There's no way it didn't happen. Yeah, you don't just change gears like that and be like, well, now I'm back. Into, you know what? I'm going to try something weird. Missionary position. You know? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. 
She went to the hotel. She was like, okay, you ready for a good time there, John? Well, hold on. I got to use, I got to go freshen up. He was like, hey, why don't you come freshen up right over me? All right. <laughs> He's like, please don't freshen up. He said, I'm going to go ahead and get in the tub. She was like, this is a little weird. Is that a hammock in your pocket? He's like, oh, <laughs> just wait a second. Yeah, it's about to get real weird. <laughs> in an August 2019 article with British newspaper The Sun, McAfee revealed that while they've been on the run for most of their seven-year romance, Janice actually spent the first two years passing secrets about McAfee to the criminal underworld. I had to provide them with information about John and his whereabouts, admitted Janice. They wanted me to do things like poison his food and let them into the house where he was staying. The mother of three was first introduced to cartel bosses by her pimp, and despite falling in love with the once multimillionaire McAfee, she says she was too terrified to disobey their orders. She said the cartel runs the underworld of America, so it sounds like she's just as batshit crazy as her husband yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. They they wanted me to let them in his house. Can you imagine that? Like some gangsters like, yo, I need you to just let me in that back door in the kitchen. I'm going to make a sandwich and then leave. Yeah, and what is she like, a, effectively like a message mule or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Why was yeah. she selected? Why? How is she the conduit to the underworld? I mean, obviously she's a prostitute, but... It's just, it's just, they're, yeah, birds of a feather, man. They're both nuts. McAfee believes the cartel bosses were hired to get information on him by the government of Belize. He has claimed Belizean officials have tried to kill him, yet the nation's prime minister, Dean Barrow, has dismissed such accusations, labeling him as extremely paranoid and even bonkers. She was doing that for a couple years, actually, McAfee said. For me, I didn't mind. She was in a hard place, but when she finally came clean, it was a beautiful moment. Oh, yeah, Imagine she was trying wife... to set me up to get killed. But, you know, hey, people change. Love is love. Yeah, love is love. <laughs> the cybersecurity pioneer didn't elaborate on how he discovered his spouse was spying on him, but added the cartel was the problem, not the pimp. But for the tycoon, seeing his kids while he's been hiding is even harder. Because he claims to have 47 kids, oh, aged oh, between wow. 16 and 47. 47 fucking kids. What is it with these guys, these eccentric millionaires that like want to just spread their seed as much as they can? Like we saw with Epstein, same thing. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's a narcissistic thing where they're like, I need to, even Elon Musk, when asked about it, was like, I want more smart people in the world, so I'm going to have as many kids as possible. What did he name his kid? I don't even know. It's some crazy it. shit. Yeah, yeah. what did he know. name his kid? I don't even know how to pronounce that. And maybe we're dating ourselves in the process. No, no. there's no way to pronounce the fucking name. Yeah, Nobody no, no. knew. There was articles in Business Insider, and I still read it, and I was like, I don't know how to pronounce this. Well, yeah, the meme said uh, most people put their kid down as their password. This guy used his kid's name as his password. Yeah, dude. His password is his kid's name. Yeah, he used his password as a kid's name. But yeah, I mean, those dudes are like, oh, yeah, I'm a genius, so I need to have, like, it's creating like a dynasty sort of situation, I think. Yeah. I don't know. His wife, Janice, said he didn't even know what contraception was as she laughed on the phone in an interview. McAfee admitted it's very difficult to keep track of all of them. Almost all of them were illegitimate. But I keep in touch with every one of them, and I take care of all of them financially. All right, well. He's asking for trouble, man. Yeah. Man. In his older years, McAfee has shown a desire to take public office. You know, like the President of the United States. Mm -hmm. McAfee identifies as a libertarian, advocating the decriminalization of cannabis and an end to the war on drugs. Dude, if I want someone to shit my mouth and then fire off a gun at the same time, there shouldn't be a law <laughs> against that. The, the, the big government can't tell me what to ingest. Who am I hurting? <laughs> Who am I hurting? All right. I want to blow somebody away, you know, and I'll pay their family and we'll have an even deal. Even Steven. That's it. He also is a proponent of non-interventionalism in foreign policy and free market economy, which does not distribute wealth, which he upholds free trade. McAfee also advocates increased cyber awareness and more action against the threat of cyber warfare. McAfee is also a big proponent of religious liberty, saying that business owners should be able to deny service in cases that contradict their religious beliefs, and that no one is forcing you to buy anything or to choose one person over the other. So why should I be forced to do anything if I'm not harming you? Does it's that apply to like people of... All I think about is the cake maker that wouldn't make the gay guy's birthday cake. There's That's that, I but I it. also like to think about the civil rights struggle of the 60s where should people be able to not serve black people if they don't want to? Or where does it? Where does the line draw right. here? Like, uh, that's what I'm always like. So is it, you just choose 
that you can't service people or whatever, just for whatever. And I sort of, I understand both sides of the argument. I'm just saying at the end of the day, it's creating a uh, sort of a toxic environment. Absolutely. If you can't, if people just can't go in and get a fucking burger or eat at a lunch counter. Yeah, exactly. On September 8th, 2015, McAfee announced that he would seek the office of President of the United States in the 2016 presidential election as the candidate of the newly formed political party called the Cyber Party. No. Oh. On December 24th of 15, he renounced his candidacy bid, saying that he would instead seek the presidential nomination of the Libertarian Party. Okay. On the campaign trail, McAfee consistently polled among the top three presidential candidates for his party with his rivals Gary Johnson and Austin Peterson. The three candidates appeared in the Libertarian Party's first nationally televised presidential debate on March 29, 2016. McAfee was the runner-up in the primaries but came in third at the 2016 Libertarian National Convention. McAfee announced his second bid for president in June of 2018 for the 2020 presidential election. Sure, why Yep, not? the one we're having this year. Mm-hmm. His main campaign issue is to promote the use of cryptocurrencies. He stated that he will either seek the nomination of the Libertarian Party or form his own party. He ultimately ran again as a Libertarian. Mm-hmm. In a tweet on March 4th, 2020... McAfee simultaneously suspended his 2020 presidential campaign and announced his campaign for the Libertarian Party vice presidential nomination. The next day, he returned to the presidential field, reserving the suspension of his bid because no one in the Libertarian Party would consider me for vice president. The next month, he <laughs> yeah. You know you're in trouble when Ron Paul is like, oh, I don't know, man. I- <laughs> The next month, he endorsed Adam Kokish, and he simultaneously became Kokish's vice presidential candidate. Say that five times fast, Kokish's. McAfee is known to be a huge proponent of cryptocurrency and has been brutally honest and makes statements about digital currencies nearly every day. In 2018, McAfee began to openly accept sums of $105,000 in exchange for tweets promoting cryptocurrencies claiming to have been receiving the fees for over six months at that time. Mm-hmm. He also cited an ad hoc study conducted by Vice, which found that his promotional tweets drove short-term price gains of between 50% and 350%. Mm-hmm. In August 2019, McAfee was embroiled in an obscure dispute with South China Zombie Research Center. Oh, well, yeah. They're the developers behind ZombieCoin. It's a, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's an, a gimmicky uh, initial coin offering. It grows even when you're sleeping. <laughs> Dude, it's great. I, you know, I, I'm actually, I, uh, I'm interested in, in certain cryptocurrencies or whatever is, uh, I, I've looked into these for a few years here, but you have to be crazy not to admit that like 98% of these things are bullshit scams. Yeah. Like there's no regulation for them at all. It's complete like a cash grab and it's like makes penny stocks look like hyper regulated fucking mega stocks. And what was great, too, is like my dad was sort of getting into the cryptocurrency thing for a minute or for a while. He still is. But uh, at one point he like text me and he was like, well, John McAfee is a big fan of this one. And I was like, do you know anything about John McAfee aside from his antivirus software thing? And he was like. Not really. I was like, send him a link to Gringo. And he <laughs> hit me back like a week later. It was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, don't listen to this guy yeah. on any of this shit. They paid McAfee $4.5 million to draft its white paper and promote its ICO. After paying McAfee up front, he U-turned on the project and declared it to be a shit coin, prompting the South Chinese zombie whatever to threaten him to sue him with a $100 million lawsuit. Oh, yeah. The last crypto asset launched by McAfee was an ERC-20 token that he dubbed Epstein did not kill himself under the ticket whacked. Jesus. (laughs) In July 2017, McAfee wrote on Twitter that he predicted that the price of one Bitcoin would jump to 500,000 within three years. And if not... He said, I will eat my own dick on national television. (laughs) See, I told you he wants everybody to watch him suck his own dick. There it is. I would pay. I would. I would. I don't know if I'd watch him eat his own dick. Nah. Now, hold on. No, complete that train of thought. Yeah, no, go ahead, Mikey. How much? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like, yeah, how much would I pay to see John McAfee eat his own dick? I don't think I'd watch it, but I would probably, I don't know, man, maybe a hundred bucks to know that he actually did it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to watch it. I don't want to mm. see that. I'm very squeamish, but oh, it would make oh. me die laughing. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Give himself the Heimlich? <laughs> Choke on his own dick, man. In November 2017, he increased his prediction to $1 million per coin. God, I wish that was true. Yeah. If uh, Bitcoin jumped up to a million dollars like he predicted, I would be following him to a warm beach down in uh, the Caribbean as Killing well. Killing people. Yeah. Eating <laughs> shit. <laughs> in January 2020, however, he stated on Twitter that his previous predictions were simply a ruse to onboard new users and that Bitcoin had limited potential because it was an ancient technology. <laughs> Asked which cryptocurrencies he now recommends, he listed Monero and Pirate Chain. Yeah, he's just all over the place, yeah. man. Not consistent on just about anything. Nah. Except yeah. for loving himself. Yeah. All the time. McAfee's Twitter videos also refer to prior statements concerning taxation, such as the first week in January 19 when he told his 890,000 Twitter followers that he refuses to pay taxes to the government. The candidate also said he was a prime target for the IRS and seemingly dared the agency to come after him by saying, here I am. <laughs> I don't know why they're coming after me, but I'll never <laughs> pay their fucking money. <laughs> McAfee further stated that taxation is illegal and he's paid tens of millions already and received jack shit in services. No, yeah. He yeah. claims to have not filed an income tax return since 2010. Okay. Oh, wow. The last decade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, man, he is really poking the bear, man. So there's a lot to dig in there, but you have to ask the question, how could someone with so much dirt in their recent past wind up a serious third-party contender for president of the U.S.? How was he able to allegedly get away with multiple murders and a rape without getting charged? It's definitely a dangerous life McAfee has lived, and it sounds like he continues to live by the seat of his pants in a very paranoid, weird state. He fits the eccentric millionaire role very well, but then again, most millionaires don't have the potential bodies on their record. With everything we've talked about today, my final asshole rating for John McAfee is an 8.0. All right. All right. So this is pretty straightforward here, man. Uh, he killed, not with his own hands, maybe, but allegedly. He, had, he had two people killed, most likely. Allegedly. allegedly. We'll yeah. say allegedly, allegedly but yeah. I mean, you know, if it uh, quacks like a duck, walks like a duck. No charges were ever brought up on him in Belize, so... What's their murder solve rate again? Three <laughs> percent. So I, uh, I legally he hasn't been convicted of this, but I think that he killed two people. He uh, raped a chick. It sounds like she seemed also. I've watched that documentary. She seemed very credible. Yeah. Obviously, she has a, a pretty serious pedigree behind her. She isn't some you know fly by night weirdo that's trying to cash in. He eats shit, uh, which that's that that's. It's points against him. That's gross. It's yeah, gross. Of course. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Nasty. You nasty twin. Oh, uh, uh, So overall, also, you know, he's an opportunist. Uh, he's He had one major success, one huge success, and he still gets a fucking platform where he can, even though it's some, you know, minor party that will never score more than three or four percent, he still is able to get on like debates like national debates mm -hmm. yeah uh, and the only reason is he had one fucking success dude yeah it's all it takes i hate the guy i think he sucks and he's uh he's a scam artist he's a, a rapist he's a murderer all allegedly i think it's the case i'll bump him up to a nine fuck john mcafee all right a 9.0 for mikey what you got buddy all right, so um, this was a pretty uh, eye-opening episode for somebody who didn't really know too much about the subject that we had started to uh, discuss. So it does sound like he has allegedly murdered two people. And, you know, one of them, you know, I'm the animal lover here on the show. I mean, we all love animals, but I mean, like, I'm the one that, you know, kind of gives a little bit more. And, you know, that dude, his neighbor did poison, like, it was like nine of his dogs, and, like, they all died. But that still doesn't justify sending out Mac 10 to, you know, mow you down. <laughs> it was like Mac 10 the rapper. That would be awesome. <laughs> or what was his name? Tech 9, Mac 10. I don't know what it, it was. Yeah, Mac, there 10. was a Mac 10. Yeah. And there was a reason for that. They said he carried, carried a Mac, Mac 10. 10. Yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. He with ate 10 Big Macs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, with that, and it does sound like he did rape that girl. And who knows what he would have done to her if he had been able to get a hold of her again and her friends weren't able to pick her up. So, yeah, my, my score is going to jump way up for him. I originally started off with a 4.5, but my uh, new asshole score for John McAfee is going to be an 
So with an 8.5 from Buddy, a 8.0 from Randy, and a 9.0 from Mikey, John McAfee's final asshole score is a 8.5. 8.5, pretty high in the charts, and I knew he would be yeah. uh, once we got done with this one. Also, I, I, I meant to say, too, I hate McAfee antivirus software, too. So does he. Oh, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, so yeah. does he. He so says we agree he, on something. he removes it from all the all of his computers. He hates his own software. Or it's not his anymore, but yeah. yeah. It just constantly pops up. And then there's the rumor, too, that they intentionally uh, make viruses to fuck your shit up. So huh. you have to get McAfee's. I don't know how true that is, but I just wanted to point that out before we left. McAfee uh, antivirus software, Norton antivirus software. Uh, I'm so tired of those little windows on my computer screen. I'm never going to update it. Now I'm going to get hacked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thanks for listening. We hope you guys enjoy the show. If you like what we do, tell people you know to tune in as well. The support is much appreciated. You know where to find us on all your favorite podcast platforms, at AHC Podcast. Tune in next week for our next edition of our Fireside Chats. Stay safe out there, and we hope you learned something and got a few good laughs out of today's show. Until next time, this is Asshole Court.